All right. Good morning, everyone. Praise the Lord. You all have already been touched already, haven't you? Such a beautiful presence of the Lord. I tell you, coming into 2023 has been spectacular already. And it's just such a joy to give the Lord our first fruits of the year. Amen. Setting aside time to fast and pray. And I know if you're not here on Wednesdays, you're praying from home and you're really seeking the Lord diligently. And God is speaking in this hour, isn't he? It's like heaven has opened up. It's almost like God was silent for a while. Did anybody feel that way? You're like, God, I know you, I know you live up there, but uh, you're not talking to me. But it seems like all of a sudden, 2023, heaven just kind of peeked open, and he's starting to speak his voice and his word and his direction. And I tell you, I couldn't be more excited than uh, this year for you, for our church, and for me personally. I'm going to be a little piggy. I'm going to be a piggy for Jesus, too. Is that okay? Because I'm believing God for some big things, too. Let me go ahead and pray, and I'm going to release the word the Lord gave me for you today in this church. Father, I thank you for this time as we gather. Lord, as, as your people, as the church of Jesus Christ, I thank you for everyone you brought here today, Lord. They are here by divine assignment, by divine purpose for this moment, God. And whatever you have for the rest of this service, I pray that our hearts would be open to receive the word of God. Father, I ask that you give us ears to hear what your spirit has to say. Lord, let us only hear what you want us to hear, what we need to hear, God. And we thank you that we'll be open, God, to let the word challenge us, kind of sharpen us, God, equip us, whatever it needs to do today. I just pray, Lord, that as we continue with the word of God, that your healing will still be flowing through this place. Your love will be flowing through this place, God. Hope will be flowing through this place. That, God, we are here in your presence. And you will continue to move, and I thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, everyone said amen and amen. Well, I have a word for you. I hope you're ready. So uh, get your notebooks out. Get your big old Holy Ghost Bible. I know. This is what our Bible looks like today. It's okay. As long as you have a paper. Who, who, oh, there you go. That's awesome. So my title of my message today is called The Subtle Giant of Complacency. And I feel like the Lord wanted me to really target complacency because it's a common word to me. Being in the ministry for many years, we pray on Wednesday nights, break that spirit of complacency. And it is a stronghold in the body of Christ, I believe, more since 2020 and, and the changes that happened in the world. It really not only put complacency in the natural, but I believe it put a spirit of complacency on the church of Jesus Christ. And unfortunately, even us who are still attending church and, and finding ourselves still in worship, we might still carry a little bit of that residue of complacency. And the reason why it's hard to discover complacency is because it's subtle in our life. It's like, you know, they say, is it like a frog? You put a frog in there, they don't know it's boiling till it's too late. That's kind of the same thing with complacency. You don't really realize the areas of your life and the territory it's taken over until it's really too late. So I really want to expose the truth of what complacency is and say, God, is there anything in my heart, in my life, in my family that I'm carrying complacency that needs to be shattered by the Holy Spirit? I truly believe it's a spirit in our country, and we're going to have to take this thing by force, and we're going to have to recognize it, and we need to get it under our feet where it belongs so that we can walk in all the blessings that God has for us. Amen? So we're going to look at Deuteronomy 3, verse 11. It says this, Og, king of Bashan, was the last of the Rephaites. His bed was decorated. Everybody say his bed. 
His bed was decorated with iron and was more than nine cubits long and four cubits wide. It is still in Rabbah of the Ammonites. Now, what I want you to see here is this giant that we're talking about, this king, the last giant, was the last remaining giant for the children of Israel. They have been battling many giants, but this is the final giant. I want you to say final giant. It's the very last giant that they have to conquer before they go into the promised land, before they receive all that God has for them. They've gone through many battles, but this is the very final giant before they enter in. And the only thing we learn about in this context of Scripture is about this king's bed. It's kind of interesting. They emphasize his bed, and it was in their cubits and in their lengths, but in American, it would be, this bed would be 14 feet long. How many say that's a pretty long bed? Maybe a couple of Titus, or yeah, ti not Titus, Matthias or more. 14 feet long and 17 feet wide, or 7 feet wide. That's a pretty big bed, wouldn't you say? This is where you see the first king-size bed. Thank you. I was waiting for that one. I'm like, I'm waiting for that one. <laughs> thank you, Brent. Thank you. So we're talking about the subtle giant of complacency, right? The children of Israel, in order to occupy the promised land, they had to face giant after giant after giant. How many can raise their hand and say, in this moment of life, you have faced many giants? You've overcome many giants in your life. And going in their first scouting of looking into the land of Canaan, they came back and this is what they said. They, we are but grasshoppers in the sight of these giants. They felt little and they felt beneath. These giants were big. They were not gentle giants that we see sometimes in movies. They are giants that were massive in stature, some 15 feet tall or more. They were fierce warriors. They were something to be contended with. And these giants were in fortified cities, right? And there was armies that were surrounding them. This was a significant opposition that was coming against the children of Israel over and over again that they had to be willing to work through. We know the example of Goliath in Scripture where we know Goliath was anywhere between 6 foot 9 and 9 feet 9, pretty big. And they didn't just focus on his stature. They focused on the details of his armor, the weight of his armor, the size of his weaponry, his sword, his spear, his shield. They were all massive in comparison to the natural type of weaponry. So in Scripture, we find out that they faced many giants, but they were not just average problems. They were hard-to-work-through problems. There were things that stood out. And, and as we've served Christ, there are things that we've had to work through, isn't there? There's some giants that tried to take you down. There's been some places that the devil thought he had you, but you won and you became an overcomer. You have faced the giants. There were significant problems and obstacles that you worked through, and you came out on the other side. And we can give God praise for that, can't we? If you look at the verse 11 that I read to you prior to that, they faced 60 giants, 60 fortified cities that they overcame. How many know that's pretty powerful? It was, it was the uh, race of giants called Anak, the Anakin um, genealogy. They faced 60 of them, and they're just peeking into that promised land. 
They're like getting so close they can almost feel it, right? They're at this place where they're down to the one last giant. If you knew you only had one last giant to face, wouldn't you throw a party? You'd be like, let's get ready. I'm going to take this giant down. I've taken 60 down. What's one more to go, right? Everything that I've dreamed of is right there. Everything I fought for is right in front of me. Everything you believed, God, is just almost tangible to you. Everything you've dreamed and imagined, you're about to step into. It's right in front of you. I feel that so strong in the atmosphere. That we are in this season where God's like, what you've been waiting for, this moment right here and right now, you're about to press into. You're only one giant away from that place of the promises of God in your life. If you imagine where they're at in this journey, they had 400 years of bondages, generation after generation. They had been spectacularly delivered from Egyptian slavery. They went into the wilderness and they watched God supernaturally swallow up the Egyptians in the Red Sea. They saw the protection of God in their life. Amen. They 40 years God provided supernaturally for them. If they were hungry, he fed them. If they were thirsty, God found a way to give them a drink. If they were hot, God made a way to cool them off. If they were cold, God made a way to heat them up. Everything they needed was taken care of supernaturally. They were not prepared for battle naturally. They weren't prepared for military exploits. How did they defeat every giant? How did they overcome these great obstacles? God gave them divine strategies and plans. He gave them the wisdom of the spirit, how to navigate against every giant, and they begin to defeat one by one by one. Every giant they faced God gave them the victory, every giant. So now they find themselves in Deuteronomy 3.11, and they're one giant away. This king's name is King Og. And you would think this last giant, wouldn't you think when you're about to enter the promised place, like marriages restored, finances released, favor in your life, healing in your body, dreams and desires of your heart, wouldn't you think this last giant would manifest itself in a fierce way? Like it would show its strong weaponry, it would show its, its sword and, and its fierceness, and it would be somebody in battle. It would be like this big last giant that you're going to have to fight with all of your might, almost kind of get in military style. One last resistance they would face before they would pack up their tents, and they wouldn't be nomads in life again. It would represent them going into a place that they would own their own land, the blessings of God. They would own their own homes. They could grow their own crops in their vineyards. It represents stability, permanence, consistency. Everything they longed for was just in front of them. But they were one giant away. Say one giant. And this giant didn't, the Bible doesn't talk about having a, a big sword. It didn't talk about killing and, and war and it was big and it was mightier than all the other giants. What was crazy is it talked about his bed. Foot, 14 foot long, 7 foot wide bed. Think about that. That doesn't seem like a hard obstacle to overcome. They're about to go into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. They're about to eat of the grapes that were the size of a man. Think about that. And the only thing they had to get through was this giant who had a king-sized bed. 
Number one this morning, some of life's giants that will come your way are extremely subtle. Some of life's giants that will come your way are extremely subtle. Do you have that for the screen? No. Some of the biggest giants you're going to face right now may not be out loud. It may not be something overt or obvious. It's going to be something subtle and seductive. The enemy is going to be sneaky in this hour. Amen. The giant's going to try to overtake them right before they enter the land. What is this giant? It is the subtle giant of complacency. Lull you to sleep in the bed of comfort. If you study complacency and what that word means, it says complacency is this. It's self-satisfaction. See, the enemy wants us to keep looking at ourselves, what we want, what I need, what I'm missing in my life. Self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. You don't even, you're not even aware that you're in a dangerous place. You're not even aware you're about to miss the promised land because you're only thinking about what you want, what you need, what makes you happy. It's hard to identify. And, and, and complacency will lure the victims into the bedchambers of the giant's bed, lulling to sleep. There's many things in the world that bring destruction, and we know that. We know the giant of addiction. It's a horrible destruction. It destroys people's lives. It kills thousands, but complacency kills tens of thousands. We know unforgiveness and bitterness, it rips families apart. It rips relationships apart. Bitterness and unforgiveness is a very strong giant, and it has killed many people's lives, but complacency kills tens of thousands of people's lives. You think of strife and division. I've been pastoring a long time. Strife and division has ruined churches. It has pulled good people out of the body of Christ. It has separated the body. It impacted negatively to the church of Jesus Christ or the local church. It's a devastation. It's a, it's a big giant strife and division. But complacency will close down churches. Because if the enemy can lull the church of Jesus Christ from doing the works of the kingdom, lull you to sleep of taking care of me, myself, and I, the church of Jesus Christ will suffer. It's not an obvious giant, but it's uh, the goal of the assignment of this giant is to destroy your life. Complacency. It'll destroy your life, and it'll keep you from entering the promised land. Now, I want to differentiate something here. Complacency is not comfort. They're two different things. You should be taking care of your life. You should be making sure your home is in order, your finances in order. You should be making sure that you're aiming for the future. It's one of the mountains of God. He wants you to take care of your family and your finances and have that all in order. But that is not what complacency is. Comfort is things are in order. Complacency is different. Number two, complacency is when you know something's not right, but you're not doing anything about it. You know something's off with your walk of God, but I don't care. I don't need to change anything. I've tried, and I don't want to do it anymore. You know something's spiritually off, but you don't care. You just throw in the towel. I'll just survive in this world. I'll come and go from church. Many don't. We might, some might still stay in the church, but they never change 
and they become complacent and lulled to sleep. Listen, we all have ups and downs, don't we? We all face obstacles, but complacency says you just kind of give up and you don't care. Up and down, there's a battle to fight, and we'll go over that in a minute. When complacency hits you, you say, well, that's it. I don't care anymore. And you find yourself doing nothing about it. When your marriages are struggling and you're having a hard time and there's strife and division, complacency goes, well, I'm tired. I don't want to do anything about it. There's conversations, whether it's friendships or relationships or the job, that you know things need to be said, and they may be hard things to say, and it may be confrontational, and there may be tears, and there may be hard things, but complacency goes, well, I'm just going to let it go under the carpet. And it's to your destruction, because that complacency will keep you from the miracle of your marriage being healthy and restored, amen, and brand new. you got to be willing to get uncomfortable. There are things that are not okay and they're not good, but you got to talk about them. But when you're in complacency, you refuse to have a conversation. And you pull back. And you say, I'm not going to do anything about it. We've all been there. You just can't stay there. Maybe the dream or the call of God in your life. You know that there's something on the inside of you. You know that God has a call and a destiny. Maybe there's a book to write. There's something in all of us to do something for the world for Jesus Christ. But you've learned to settle for defeat. And what's crazy about complacency, nobody has to tell you. Because it's something on the inside of you. On the outside, nobody may even know you're going through complacency. Because everything on the outside looks good. It's internal. It's not external. People with the spirit of complacency can still come to church. They can still do religious things, but they've been lulled to sleep. See, this giant is not a bloody, gruesome defeat. It's not something you're going to put your boxing gloves on and go at it. It's something that sneaks in the back door of your heart. And it begins to make you comfortable. I'm okay with just going to church once a month. I'm just preaching the truth, guys. Why? Because there's a great revival coming to the church of Jesus Christ. And we've got to be ready. And if we are comfortable with the simple things of just having one foot in the world and one foot in the church, we will never see the mighty move of God we need to see. Because complacency is like the giant sleeping in America. It's a hard issue. What makes complacency dangerous is you can't see it externally. Amen. Number three, you have to go on the inside and find out where complacency came in your life. Where did it get in? Was it through disappointment? Was it church hurt? Was it being taken advantage of? I don't know where the root of complacency or just getting off kilter, getting out of routine, falling out of the relationship with God, quit reading his word. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Somewhere in your journey, complacency snuck itself in and it has lulled you into a beautiful, comfy, cozy bed with puffy pillows and a downfield comforter. How many love a really nice, cozy bed? But you have to ask the Lord, where did it come in? I went through a journey of my life that took me down a very hard road. And I sought counseling. And I had every reason why I should be where I'm at. Anybody ever been there? I'm here emotionally. I'm angry because of da-da. I could give you a scroll. 
But I had a wise woman when I got her on the phone that didn't let me excuse my way out of it. She said, you asked the Lord, where, how did you let that in your life to begin with? I'm like, girl, I don't want to hear that. But I had to go back to where I lost faith. And I had to repent of it. I had to heal it. I had to restore it so that God could take me to the next season of my life. Some of us are stuck because we haven't found out why are we complacent. Why don't I want to fully give to God? Why don't I want to fully serve? Why don't I want to get all in? Somewhere complacency has grabbed the heart. And you need to ask God, where did it come in? And I want to get it out of my life so that I can walk in the... It's like I see some of you like God's promises are like, like they're just held up. It's like he's storing these blessings and these favors and these opportunities. But the heart of complacency is holding them back. And God's like, if you'll give that thing to me, if you'll repent of it or remove it, especially church hurt, let it go. Every one of us in this room could raise our hand with church hurt. Raise your hand if you've been hurt by the church. This all, some of my regulars, I'm so glad. That's good news. Listen, we've all been hurt by some shape of someone we love or admire. You cannot carry those things into your future. Shake it off. Let them go, forgive them, say, I'm not letting what happened in my past church experience determine my future and what God has. I want everything I've labored for, I've trusted for, I believe God for, I am putting them behind. We need to just say goodbye and say, Jesus, I'm going to look unto you. Find out what's inside of you. Listen, complacency should be a cuss word for Christians. If you're in complacency, it should irritate you. It should frustrate you. It should keep you up at night. It, should, it keeps you unsettled. Why? Because there's something inside of you God wants to do. If you are so completely settled and doing nothing for God, I would question my heart. Because God is always moving his people. He uses his people to move the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Number four, when complacency gets in, it's the beginning of the end. Of certain areas of your life. It's the beginning of the end. And you, you can have a happy little me party. And you can live your life in the comforts of just this little box. Or you can go into the promised land. And you can take all that belongs to you. And not only that, take people with you. That you are called to take with you into the promised land. Amen. Where am I at here? All right. I call this Goldilocks Christianity. <laughs> You know, Goldilocks and the three bears. She comes in and she sees the bowl, the first bowl of porridge. Oh, it's too hot. Then she goes to the second bowl of porridge. It's too cold. And then she gets to the third. Oh, this is just right. Then she wants to kick her feet up and she finds the first chair. Oh, this chair is too hard. First chair, second chair. This chair is too soft. Third chair. Oh, this chair is just right. And then she gets tired. She's like, I'm going to go try out the beds. Oh, this bed is too hard. Second bed. This bed is too soft. Ah, this bed feels just right. Do you know that we can find ourselves, the things of God, and our relationship with God, and even with church, just like the Goldilocks? Oh, this church is too hard. They teach too much truth. Don't challenge me, Pastor Barb. Don't tell me to fast and pray. That, this church is too hard. 
or that church is too soft, or, or that church is too big, I just get lost in it, or that, that church is just too small, they don't have all the programs for my family and my kids. And we find ourselves with all this too much, too much, too much, too much, and we're trying to find what makes me comfortable so I can lay in the bed of comfort and complacency to take care of putting my head on the pillow so I feel good about myself when I walk out the back door. When somebody walked in this church broken, somebody walked in this church with fear and addictions and a broken marriage and challenges, but I want that soft pillow, Pastor Barb. Make me feel cozy. The season we're coming into, Jesus, is not going to be a cozy season. It's going to be an exciting season, and we're going to take territory. We're going to take land. We're going to win a 1,000 to Jesus Christ. We're going to see signs and wonders, and the world is going to come in hungry. They're ready to get out of complacency. They're ready to rip the blankets off and step into, into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We need to be ready for the world to come in. And if the church is still laying in their cozy beds, we'll never see the assignment. The Holy Spirit will pass faith builders by because he'll say that's a sleeping church. Wake up. We don't want a sleeping church. Challenge me, God. Get in my business. Am I complacent? I don't want to be lulled to sleep in this season. The devil wants to seduce you into a 14-foot, 7-foot bed, and it's called complacency. Number five, guys okay? If the devil wants to stop you, he doesn't have to use sin. He gives you an attitude of complacency. Many of us wouldn't fall into sin. You love God. You've been disciplined enough. But you aren't absent from the ability of being lulled to sleep by the enemy. It's an attitude that grips our heart. If everything in life doesn't happen the way, exactly the way that you think it should, you're like, I'm done. Somebody else dropped the ball. You can have it. I don't want to do it anymore. Don't challenge me. Don't push me. Don't allow me to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Don't allow me to be uncomfortable in any way. That's what we're, when we're feeling complacent. I felt so strong in my spirit as I was preparing this message this week that God wants to challenge you. Don't fall victim to the subtle giant of complacency. You have fought too hard. You have given too much. You have overcome so much. Stay in the battle. Keep saying, God, I'm in it until you finish it. Many of you have labored and paid the price and you've trusted God. It is not time to throw in the white flag. I can tell you in this church, we are not going to be complacent. We are going to press on. We're going to kill that spirit of complacency and receive all that God has. We're receiving a thousand to Christ and more because that's what God wants. In Romans 13, 11, it says, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Why? Because your salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. There is a coming of the Messiah. There is a move of revival. And God is saying, awake from your slumber, church. It's not time to sleep anymore. It's time to get our work boots on. And it's time to do something for Jesus Christ. The greatest, the greatest threat against your life is not the devil's sin or demons. It's the giant of complacency. The kingside bed that says, kick back. 
You've done enough, sacrificed enough, you've served enough, you've given enough, you've prayed enough. It's somebody else's turn. I've been in this game a long time, Lord. I've done enough. Let somebody else take their turn. We say enough, enough, enough. It's an attitude of the heart. I don't want to be challenged. I don't want to be told to serve. I don't want to do things that don't make me comfortable, uncomfortable. Complacency says, come on over here. Look at this bed. Isn't it comfortable? Isn't it impressive? You deserve this bed. I felt like that. I deserve like a weekend stay at least. <laughs> at least three days, Lord, long extended weekend. Come on over in this bed. Listen, why does life have to be so intense? Why does it have to be so extreme? You don't have to do all that. You've done enough. And you just turn and go ahead and you settle in that bed. Amos 6 is a whole chapter on woe to the complacent. Read it yourself. It will step on your toes. But it speaks of the complacent Zion. And what is Zion? It's the church. And even in this description of Amos 6, it talks about that they were wealthy. They were provided for. They had ivory furniture. It would be uncomfortable, but it's still ivory. They were externally blessed. Maybe things are really good in your life, but it doesn't mean internally you're not spiritually dry. And that's what was going on. Amos, they were so taken care of in their world, financially blessed. Everything was going great for them, but they didn't care about the destruction of Joseph. They didn't care about what was going on. They had no heart to change the destruction. They only had a heart of their own comfort. It says in Amos 6.4, they're lying in their beds, lounging on their couches, reclining at their banquets, not aware that the enemy has been destroying them. Now, I'm not talking about rest, so I want to say the difference. Complacency is not rest. You need to rest, and I want to explain to you the difference. There's a biblical um, concept of Sabbath that you need to rest. It's not necessarily six days you work and you take a Sabbath day. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's really not the concept of what Sabbath means. Sabbath, the rest principle, means that there's a place of faith in your life where there's a lot going on. There's a lot of heavy challenges. There's a lot of decisions. There's some burdens, and, and you need to rest from that. That means that I'm going to pull away back and let God do what I can't do. Do you see the difference? Well, I'm burnt out. No, you're not burnt out. You have to take rest and give that thing heavy to the Lord. Let God do what you can't do. That's rest. Complacency goes, well, I'm not going to do it. I'm not getting back in the game. I'm not doing it. But rest says, I have faith when I'm not moving, God is moving. I did that during COVID. I said, God, I got to do this, I got to do that. And God's like, stop it. You will do nothing that I don't tell you to do. And I'm like with my pen, okay. He said nothing. Next day, nothing. Why? Because he wanted me to rest, take off my shoulders of the things I couldn't do, let him do what he needs to do. While you're resting and you're stepping back in faith, not in frustration, disappointment, anger, all those stuff. No, I'm stepping out in faith. And during that time while God is working, I'm getting recharged. You're getting energized. You let God carry the weight a little bit. And then you get refreshed, regenerated, reinvigorated, and you get back in the game. Complacency will keep you out. You'll find yourself for years. I'm resting. No, you're not. 
because there's no refreshment, there's no reinvigoration. There should be a stirring, okay, God, what's next in my life? I've stepped back for a minute, but what are you doing? What do you say? What do you see? Amen? Number six, complacency is not a place of faith. It's a place of unbelief. You don't do as much as possible. You do as little as possible. You don't do the maximum. You do the minimum. Throw your hands in the air. If it doesn't work, well, I guess it's not working. I'm too old. I've done this before. I'm too tired. Anybody tired in here? We're all tired. That's complacency. What? You don't feel too old? It's because you're young still. <laughs> Give yourself 20 years, sis. <laughs> Listen, if anybody deserved to rest, it was the children of Israel. 60 giants, fortified cities with no weaponry, only led by the Spirit of God to maneuver. They deserved to rest. I'd be like, yeah, go ahead and rest before this next giant. But they didn't know the last giant was complacency, and that was going to keep them out of the promised land. They didn't know that because it wasn't the same battle as before. Amen. Matthew 13 says, when a farmer slept, the enemy came in and sowed seeds. Doesn't mean you can't rest, but there's a time that you should be alert. Because what happened is when the farmer wasn't awake, alert, the enemy came in and sowed the seeds, right? And it choked out the harvest. Matthew 24 says that while they were sleeping, one was taken and one was left. The warning in the Bible of the last day says, watch, therefore, and pray, and don't be complacent. Ephesians 5 says, the times are evil. Stay alert and stay awake. This is the time for the church to be awake. And you know what, Jesus can relate to this because in the Garden of Gethsemane, he took his three closest guys and he's about to face the cross. He's about to suffer and die a gruesome death. And he pulled him in. He said, give me a little time without you pulling back. Don't pull back right now. I need you right now. I'm about to face something and I need you praying. We're close. We're almost at the end of this thing, but I need you to be praying with me. What happened? Came back and they were sound asleep. And he woke him up again. He said, listen, guys, you can sleep later. But I need you engaged right now. See, listen, you can have Jesus right in front of you and still be lulled to sleep. Still not recognize that we need to stand up in this crucial moment. Why? Because complacency is subtle. It's subtle. King Og doesn't kill you with a spear. He doesn't kill you with a sword. No weapons are necessary. Just a king-size bed. Thank you, Jesus. Number seven, you hear a lot about sin in the world. Don't sin, and we shouldn't. Don't sin, don't do this, don't do that. Verse number seven is sin and compromise are not the fruit of your sin or behavior. Compromises, complacency is the root. See, when you're complacent is where the enemy sneaks in and bad behavior begins to happen. If you look at King David, right, he was hanging out on his balcony, kicked his feet up, maybe drinking a pina colada, I don't know, right? And he was on his balcony, complacent, looking down on Bathsheba. And when we talk about David today, what do we say? Adulterer, right? Murderer, he killed, killed Uriah, her husband. And we, we, we have all these bad things to say about David's fruits, 
But if you go back and you look, where did it start? He was complacent. He was sitting on the roof when the Bible said kings were supposed to be out to war. They were supposed to be busy, and he was home sitting on his roof. And that's when sin came in his life. See, complacency is the root of the problem of the destructions in our life. You look at Samson. What did Samson do? Strong, he was mighty. He tested what God put on the inside of him. But it was when he laid his head down in her lap. Delilah. He, he, had, he conquered everything that, that he, she, he tried to trick her with. But it was when he laid his head down to sleep in her lap. Complacency. He got comfortable. And she cut off his hair. Lost his strength. They came in. They put him in chains. And they gouged his eyes out. But before all of that happened, he was lulled to sleep. The enemy knew how to use complacency to get into his life. I want to encourage you here this morning as we round the corner. The Israelites, God gave them everything they needed to overcome the giants. He gave them strength, discernment, wisdom, and insight. And you need to say that same thing in my life. Nothing's going to stop this giant in my life. God's going to give me everything I need to enter the promised land in this season. Listen, I have been serving God, and this is going to date me, for 37 years. I was in, I've been in full-time ministry for 34 years. I have seen people come and people go because of complacency. Because they grew tired and they grew weary and they didn't know how to encourage themselves in the Lord's. I can stand here and say as your pastor, I sometimes wanted to run away and quit. I wanted to throw in the towel. I'm like, I'm good. I paid my dues, Jesus. I've done a lot for you. I've won people to Jesus. I've done mission trips. I wanted to just throw in the towel and say, my time is over. I'll just go live a happy little cute life and I'll be good. And then God might bless me, but there's something that's more powerful on the other side. Or even what God wants to do in and through my life. And I see that destruction of people that grow weary in that midnight hour where God has a blessing for your life. Somehow God gave the children of Israel the ability to stay in the fight, to press through. I don't think it's any mistake when Jesus said over and over, Take up your bed and walk. I don't think that's a mistake. Get out of your complacency. Get out of your comfort zone. Pick it up and start to move. Amen? It's time to move. I was reading in this uh, leadership journal last week, and it was the story of the pilgrims and how they discovered America. And in this leadership journey, it gives um, the five-year plan of what they did. And this is so powerful. Year one, they built towns and they built churches. Now, mind you, they crossed the oceans to establish America, right? Year one, they built towns and they built churches. Year two, they established council and government and rule of law. Year three, they began to plan expansion, and one of the plans that they proposed was a five-mile road into the wilderness westward. Now imagine, they have done all of this journey. Like, what an amazing feat that they have done. And when it came down to that five-mile road, the people voted the plan down because they said it was a waste of public funds. Think about that. They were able to see vision and foresight across an ocean to build all these things, and they couldn't see five more miles. Where are we at today? 
Some of us have crossed some huge valleys and, and, and dark places, and, and you're at this place where you go, God's like, I need you to see five more miles. If you could see what I had for you just a little bit ahead, if you wouldn't quit, if you wouldn't throw in the towel, get your rest and get refreshed and get back in the game. And the children of Israel, they overcame King Og. They overcame him and they defeated him. And every time, as I close this morning, every time they would defeat a giant, they would go in and take something from that giant as memorabilia, whether it was Goliath's sword or whatever it was. And, and they would tell the generations to come, we defeated this giant because of this. And we defeated this giant because of that. And they went and got that king's bed. And they took that. As a reminder of the victory that they overcome. It wasn't a sword, a shield. It wasn't anything that was military. It was a bed. But they took it back. And the generations of the children to come, and they probably look, what is this bed about? How could this bed try to destroy you? And they could tell the story where we almost gave up. We almost quit, but this bed is a sign that we defeated that last giant and we came into the land of promise and we have everything that the fathers told us that we would have. It's because we defeated that bed of complacency. And God has that for you too, amen? amen. I want you to close your eyes this morning. And I want to pray a prayer over you today. And I can tell you every one of us has a little bit of that in our hearts. We do. We've gone through a lot since 2020, and I believe God wants to shift us in a new gear in this hour. I believe he wants us to say, God, what do you have for me? I want all that you have in this hour. Thank you, Father God. Lord, I pray over every one of us here in the name of Jesus. Any place, God, where we have found ourselves complacent and comfortable. Every place, God, where we felt like we just were done and we want to quit and we just want to move on and we want life to be easy. Father, we just cover that in the blood of Jesus. I ask, Father God, that your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy would flow over every one of us. Hallelujah. Just let him talk to you right now. Father, I pray that you empower every one of us to say no to complacency. We let go of the past, God. We let go. I just see some of you with, like, change. You're, it's like you you're walked away from this situation, but you're still carrying the chains. And God says, I'm calling the chains off of you this morning. Those weights that you've been carrying, the heaviness of the past, God says, I'm breaking them off of you today. And you will walk in the freedom with new joy, new peace, and new expectancy into your future. And Father, I thank you that you will stir up this church, stir up your Holy Spirit, ignite us for the purposes and the plans that you have for our life, Father God. That, Lord, there'll be nothing missing, nothing broken. Awaken dreams, awaken desires, awaken purposes, Father God. Bring people from the back row to the front row, God, in the Spirit. Bring them, Father God. Let them know they are necessary and they are needed, Father God, for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And I want to give everyone the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life today. And maybe you've grown cold. Maybe you've grown weary. I don't know where you're at today. But you and God know. 
And if you need to make things right with Jesus and no one's looking around, but I want you to acknowledge the Lord today. If you know you need to make things right, maybe a strong complacency was on your heart. Maybe you, things I said today, you're like, yes, I need to get that in alignment. I want you just to raise your hand all over this room. I, thank you. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is faith. This is just faith saying, Lord, I acknowledge where I was at and I don't want to be there any longer. And I want everyone just to repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. And Father God, forgive me for any complacency in my heart. I give it to you. Use me. Activate me. Give my joy back. Give my peace back. Give my hope back. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.